and welcome to the Rookies F1 podcast. My name is Chloe and I've been a Formula One fan since 2013. My name is Rachel and I've been a Formula One fan since 2020. This podcast started as a way to teach Rachel about Formula One, but now the rookie has become the master. Yes, I have. No, that's a joke. (laughs) It's a bit of an exaggeration, still not exactly sure how a car works, but do go on, my friend. So join us as we talk about Formula One. And all of its controversies, but slightly deeper this time. Yes, it is time for tier two of the controversy iceberg. Now, before we get into that, there is the elephant in the room, which is the 2023 Miami GP that just happened. Um, context, we thought we'd, what well, we did put it to a poll on Twitter and the people agree, but we thought that Miami, there wasn't a huge lot to Miami. Um, I think, you know, we were talking before the podcast, I think a lot of that's down to TV direction. Um, but, you know, we just would rather talk about something like this, which is a bit more interesting. Yeah. And we think you'll find it more interesting too. We would have struggled to talk about Miami for an hour, I think, and I think it wouldn't be fair for anyone listening to listen through it for an hour. If anyone did listen. If anyone did, because (laughs) chances are no one would, because... Yeah, it would probably be just a lot of talking about what happened before the race. Yeah. The thing is, you can't even say it's so American, because they don't do that at IndyCar. Yeah, I... I don't really know what to say. It happens. We endure it. We're going to have to endure it for more years (laughs) to come. (laughs) Yeah. If you think that's bad, wait till Las Vegas. (laughs) But yeah, Miami. It came, it went. It wasn't the worst thing in the world. But was it the best? No. (laughs) Do, Do I still not rate Miami as a track? Yep. Why go there when you can go to the indie road course, is what I say. Anyway, moving on to more important things, and that is controversies. Now, if you missed tier one, you can go listen to it. You can wait until after this episode, though, because it has, you know, they're very separate. You can listen in any order. It's just in a matter of the flow. Yeah, the... The more we do, the spicier they get. Yeah, just the better. less likely you are to have heard of them. This one, that does, you'll yeah. have heard of a few of them. And that also doesn't mean that you can stop listening to this episode and just wait until we complete the series and listen to the most spicy episode. You need to listen to all of them. <laughs> there, there is some spice. It is still spicy. There's just more spicy to come. But yeah, you'll have heard of some of these. Some of them you won't have heard of. Um, some of them you'll have heard of, but maybe don't know the entire context. Um, but all of it will be a fun listen, so keep your ears out. Apologies for any mispronunciations that I um, may do, because... Yeah, there's lots of names, lots of things, and it is difficult for me to know exactly how to say all of them, but I will try my best. You know what, Rachel? I promise. Apology accepted. <laughs> <laughs> On behalf of everyone listening. <laughs> well, okay. <sighs> Where do right. we begin? 
So we begin. So we begin tier two in two thousand and two. Lovely, with uh, the first entry, which is Hoe Now, spelt H O J E gap N A O. So that means not today in Portuguese, and this refers to the Brazilian commentary during the two thousand and two Austrian Grand Prix. So, at this point of the season, Michael Schumacher had won four of the last five races, leading the championship with 44 points, with Juan Pablo Montoya in second with 23. The Ferraris of Schumacher and Rubens Barrichello pretty much dominated this weekend, with Barrichello getting pole and comfortably leading the race at the final, or to the final lap. Ferrari then asked Barrichello to let Schumacher pass, which he did on the last corner of the last lap, meaning that Schumacher won by just two tenths. These team orders were particularly obvious to onlookers, with boos being heard all around the track. Both Schumacher and Barrichello were unhappy with what had occurred, with Schumacher actually insisting that Barrichello take the top step of the podium, giving him the winning trophy. This is seen as particularly controversial as many people take the view that team orders were unnecessary when looking at Schumacher's dominance in the championship at this point. Gene Todd has even since admitted that the team orders were a mistake. Following this, quote, team orders that interfere with the, with the race result were banned from the 2003 season and onwards, although this rule has since been rescinded. Controversial team orders are... Uh, I think, you know, we had Valtteri H. James in the first one. I think this is an instance where it's, like, particularly particularly controversial because they weren't necessary. At least most people believe them not to be. Team orders, Mum. I hate them. I hate them so much. Yeah. I really hate them. <laughs> it just, yeah. It just ruins it's not it. Fun. Although, it, you know, it can cause drama. It can. Sometimes you need drama like if if red bull said to jeko now but i mean scoot your bum out the way let max through which is probably like a good comparison with this although checo's doing pretty well actually not like amazing but like he's doing pretty well but like imagine the drama that would be fun like in this in this case in the 2002 austrian grand prix both schumacher and barrichello were unhappy um, but imagine now, and then Checo got angry. Anyway, I'm making up drama. <laughs> we should be talking about drama that actually happened. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so, next, Mercedes Monza tyre pressure. During a dominant performance at the 2015 Italian Grand Prix, when Lewis Hamilton asked the pit wall if there was anything he could do to preserve his engine for future races, we saw a worried Toto Wolff and then heard Hamilton's engineer say, Strat mode 3, we need to pull a gap, don't ask questions, just execute. This was obviously an odd request, though Lewis did go on to win the race. However, after the race, it came out that Mercedes had been told by the FIA of an investigation into a tyre pressure anomaly. As Mercedes feared a post-race time penalty of 25 seconds, they asked him to push and Lewis crossed the line, barely 25 seconds ahead of Sebastian Vettel. For the weekend of the 2015 Italian Grand Prix, Pirelli had imposed higher minimum tyre pressures. 
Teams wanted to bring these pressures lower for the sake of performance, so were trying to use methods to get around the minimum. They would pass the tests when the tyres would go on the cars, but would lower them for the race. In what seemed to be one big miscommunication, the FIA did not know that Pirelli would take tyre pressures just before the race tyres are taken from their tyre blankets. Fortunately for the FIA, they decided to impose extra surprise checks just before the race start. It was during these checks that Hamilton's as well as teammate Rosberg's tyres were found to be below the pressure limit. Mercedes managed to get away with these lower pressures by saying that the drop in temperature after the tyres were taken from the blankets was enough to account for the pressure drop, and once the cars started moving again, the temperatures and therefore pressures went up again. Other teams were unhappy that Mercedes weren't punished, but ultimately they were running above the minimum pressures in the race. This really highlighted grey areas in the regulations, particularly those regarding tyre pressures measuring procedure, which could have led to the first race-winning disqualification since Spa 1994, although this wouldn't have been enough to lose Lewis the championship in hindsight. Teams being dodgy to get around. That's sneaky. That's sneaky. (laughs) Sneaky, sneaky. Happens all the time. (laughs) I bet it happens more than we realise. Oh, absolutely. With the amount of grey areas in the rules and regulations. Oh, yeah. Kind of love the girl boss move by Pirelli, though, to be like, surprise, we're going to check the pressures now. I know. I kind of wish more of these random tests happened. Yeah, that's... I think that's the thing, just just make them think you're incompetent and you're letting them get away with things and then go, ah, we know what we're doing. <laughs> penalty for you, penalty for you. You get a penalty and you get a penalty and you get a penalty. But yeah, I imagine there's more of that than we know, but um, yeah, God, imagine if that was now though, if it was Red Bull. <laughs> Like they would be, they would be shafted on Twitter. Like <laughs> it would be, be a bloodbath. Oh my god! It's very volatile out there. <laughs> it is. It doesn't take much. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next one. This is this is a fun one. I like this one. So Andrea Moda. Andrea Moda Formula was a Formula One team that competed during the 1992 season and is often known as the worst team in Formula One history. It emerged after owner Andrea Sassetti bought the Coloni F1 team, a team which started 14 races out of 82 attempts. <laughs> and so here's an overview of Andrea Moda Formula's brief history in Formula One. The car wasn't ready for the first race. When they arrived at their first race, they were told they couldn't race because they hadn't paid the $100,000 deposit for new teams. The team refused to race at Mexico, despite travelling there due to extenuating circumstances. As a result of this, drivers got angry and owner Sassetti fired them. Uh, Fun fact, one of the drivers they subsequently employed after this was the original Stig who then had problems with his super license and couldn't drive it into Lagos. One of the original drivers wanted to come back, but due to limits on driver changes, nothing could be done. Except Sassetti... Sassetti? Except Sassetti wanted the original driver to come back, so purposefully gave his new driver, Perry McCarthy, who was the Stig I talked about, purposely give this guy a hard time to try and make him quit. (laughs) 
At the Canadian GP, the engines got stuck at the airport, so they had to borrow Brabham engines. Uh, as Sassetti was still trying to get McCarthy to quit, the FIA intervened and told the team that McCarthy had to be treated fairly or the team would be punished. You'd think that would make them stop, uh, but no. At the Belgium GP, a broken steering arm was found on McCarthy's car. Uh, it turned out that the team knew about this and allegedly, allegedly, Sassetti had ordered for it to be attached to McCarthy's car so that he would crash and die. <laughs> um, this was the final straw for the FIA who banned the team, although they tried to turn up at Monza. <laughs> Obviously weren't allowed. Um, and yeah, Sassetti also got arrested at Spa for forging invoices. <laughs> That's the story of Andrea Moda Formula. Arguably the worst F1 team in Formula 1 history. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. (laughs) (laughs) This is a problem with why, like, we don't get enough team changes. Like, there's not enough teams mixing. This is why we need more teams in Formula One. So we can get hot messes. (laughs) Kind of iconic behaviour, though. Like, if you're not going to be the best team in Formula One's history, you might as well be the worst. (laughs) It's just like, oh, wait, no, I don't want this guy anymore. I want the original guy. Let's bully him out. And then it's like, no, you can't bully him out. All right, then. Let's just make his car break so that he'll crash. (laughs) And potentially, you know, disappear off the face of the planet. (laughs) That is mental. That is crazy (laughs) behaviour. It's so bad. I remember researching it. It It almost doesn't seem real. I mean, I trust trust your knowledge and your research, but it's just... Bonkers. It's so odd, isn't it? It's so odd, but you know, there, there's some more cases of in really interesting teams and drivers and sponsors um, coming up in the I iceberg. I love, I love how we're only on tier two of the iceberg, and we're already on purposely crash and die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Where are things um, going? <laughs> yeah, I'll I tell you when it gets. You know, in these first two tiers, for my liking, there's a few too many, like, technical... Oh, they had this technical thing which was so innovative and expensive that they it got banned. But, like, the juicy... St- it gets juicier and juicier as we get in, and we really, we're in the juicy stuff already. Right, next thing. So, Mercedes 2012 rear wing. I'm going to put a disclaimer that there are technical entries where I could not wrap my head around it <laughs> exactly what, I, what the technical advance was but I'll just explain why it's controversial and if you want to look into exactly what the technology was how it worked I'd recommend just looking it up because you'll probably understand it better than I can so the Mercedes W03 was deemed to have a pretty innovative rear wing, uh, with speculation suggesting that it used an F-duct concept by blowing air across the surface of the wing to stall it, therefore cancelling out all downforce and drag running over the wing and allowing the car to achieve a higher top speed. Uh, won't lie, that is copied verbatim from Wikipedia. Not entirely sure what it means, but it sounds it sounds great. It sounds like it gave them a big advantage. Uh, before the Australian GP, Charlie Whiting, the FIA's technical delegate, declared the rear wing to be legal. However, just before FP3, 
Red Bull and Lotus requested the FIA to look at it again. Prior to the Malaysian GP, the FIA deemed the system to be legal still. Despite this, though, Lotus launched a formal protest, so this was rejected. Basically, it was a case of an innovative car park that people thought was illegal, but wasn't. Pretty standard. Not really much more to say about that one. No. <laughs> Just that it was, people thought it, it's the case of really, really innovative. It's like, oh, we didn't think of that, so it has to be illegal. Standard Formula uh, It's kind of like Daz in a way. Yeah. Isn't it? Just like, oh, surely it has to be illegal. <laughs> like, surely that's not allowed. Yeah. But, yeah. I would suggest, if you're more interested in that, look into it. And you can probably understand it better than I can. I, I've said, I say in the intro, it's still not entirely sure how a car works. Yeah. And if you, this, and if you listen, is, not... yeah, if you listen to us last season, our last intro was... Um, yeah, what did we say? Bad at Very limited technical. Say? Limited technical knowledge. I can I tell think. you actually, we've still it. got the. So whilst our technical knowledge may be lacking, our opinions certainly aren't. There we yes. go. A little throwback. Cool. There. Great. Okay. Next entry, McLaren second brake pedal. So, during the 1998 Austrian GP, F1 Racing Magazine photographer Darren Heath noticed that the rear brakes of both McLaren cars were glowing mid-corner. Obviously, this was odd since you wouldn't normally want to be braking whilst turning. Uh, Heath then managed to get a photo of the footwell of Mika Hakkinen's car, which revealed three foot pedals instead of the usual two. (gasps) As a result of this observation, McLaren's secret invention was unveiled. A second brake pedal. This brake pedal would operate a single rear brake on the side of the car, with which side depending on the racetrack. This brake helped to eliminate understeer and reduced wheel spin when exiting slow corners and was dubbed brake steer. Ferrari protested this invention, leading to its eventual ban on the basis of four wheel steering. Perhaps McLaren shouldn't have dubbed it brake steer if they were going to argue that it had nothing to do with the steering. Yeah, that's a bit stupid. So this is guys. a case of innovation that actually then does get banned. Um, yeah, yeah, you can't really say like, oh yes, this is we call it brake steer, and then it's like, no, no, this isn't, this isn't what, this isn't anything to do with steering. Like, how dare you accuse wheels. us of using it to help <laughs> our steering when we call it brake steer? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why would, like that that? Guy, Why would you think that? Why would you say that? It's like that? the meme of that guy on the on the bicycle, and then he sticks a stick in it. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, oh, you know the next one. Watch out, guys! We're moving on to Spygate. Ugh. Strap yourselves in. Get the watsits out. This is a long one. So, Spygate. It was a big old controversy in 2007 involving McLaren, Ferrari and Renault about the passing of confidential technical information. So, if you're ready, here is an overview slash timeline of what happened. Nigel Stepney was chief mechanic at Ferrari, being credited as being part of the dream team that helped Ferrari on the road to success in the 90s. 
Stepney stated in February 2007 that he was intending to take a year out from the team due to unhappiness at the situation within the team. At the USGP, Ferrari filed a formal complaint against Stepney, which led to a criminal investigation. Blumenek. A month later, Gazeta dello Sport reported that Ferrari had dismissed Stepney after an internal investigation, with Ferrari spokesperson Luca Collegiani, apologies for pronunciation, telling ITV Sport that this was related to, quote, irregularities discovered at the Ferrari factory prior to the Monaco Grand Prix. On the same day as this, Ferrari announced that it had taken action against a McLaren engineer, later named as Mike Coughlin, also stating that legal action had been instigated and a search warrant had been issued and produced a positive outcome. Ferrari also announced that it had presented a case against Stepney and Coughlin concerning the theft of technical information. McLaren did an internal investigation claiming that no Ferrari intellectual property had been incorporated into the cars, inviting the FIA to investigate. After the British GP, the FIA launched an investigation, finding that McLaren were in possession of Ferrari documents passed between Stepney and Coughlin, although there was no evidence that these documents were used in the creation of McLaren's cars. Ferrari appealed this, but before the appeal even happened, Ron Dennis alleged that Kimi Raikkonen's car in the season opener was illegal. Um, although he, he did learn this information from Nigel Stepney, so it wasn't a particularly good look. The Hungary GP happened where, due to events happening during the race, which weren't a good look for McLaren, Alonso, as reported by the BBC, told McLaren that he would reveal information about the team spying on Ferrari if they didn't make teammate Lewis Hamilton's car intentionally run out of fuel during the race. <laughs> this guy. This was, this was obviously not a good look for McLaren again. In September, the FIA stated that they had gained new evidence and would reopen the investigation, replacing the planned appeal hearing. Two days before the verdict of the hearing was set to be announced, McLaren claimed that Renault had been doing similar things to them. On the 13th of September 2007, McLaren were found to be, be guilty of illicitly collecting and holding information from Ferrari to confer a dishonest and fraudulent sporting advantage upon McLaren. As a punishment, McLaren were excluded from the Constructors' Championship, meaning that they would receive no prize money. Important to note here that McLaren would have actually won the Constructors' Championship had they not been disqualified, and received a $100 million fine, with the team obligated to submit their 2008 chassis to the FAA before the start of the following season. The drivers went unpunished, meaning that they could still win the Drivers' Championship at this point, which seemed almost certain, but they didn't. A poor end to the season, especially for Hamilton, in which many, many will see his karma for the McLaren team, meant that Ferrari's Kimi Raikkonen became champion by just a single point. This also, I wrote these notes a long time ago, but also you, I don't know if there is a conspiracy theory, I've made it up in my head, but you could potentially see a conspiracy theory that McLaren purposefully dropped the ball um, to not win the Drivers' Championship. Uh, I, I don't think that's the case, but you, you could argue that they were told, we won't disqualify for you from the Drivers, but you can't win it. Yeah, I don't can't see that being the case but you know there is an argument to be made 
gosh. Um, but Spygate is mad, isn't it? When you lay it out, all out on the table, it's just like, my god. <laughs> why, why do you think you can get away with it? Like, like what? Just, it's so ridiculously costly. They lost. Also, <laughs> they lost so much. It's blooming Alonso, man. It's like, for anyone who, who thinks, like, wow, Alonso's great, you know, he's so nice to his teammate, he's doing so well, he's so happy in the team, and he's such a team player, cheer, like, saying, wow, great move by Lance, you know, he he's great. Dude, <laughs> dude blackmailed McLaren <laughs> by saying, I'm going to tell you, Maya, about all the dodgy things you did if you don't make my teammate's car run out of fuel during the race. <laughs> I miss villain Alonso, honestly. It is very bizarre witnessing Alonso this se- this season. Is it's it's almost very out of character for him. It's a bit concerning actually. <laughs> it's an alternate universe Alonso. Someone's kidnapped the real Fernando Alonso and they've put this fraudster in his place. Yeah. What's happened to the timeline? Oh my goodness. I can't believe was it, Spygate happened. Was Spygate just after you, or just before, sorry, you started watching Formula 1? Um, like, obviously it was a bit more casual for you back then because you were a child. But I was a child. You were a yeah, child. it was... Yeah, plus I think I was too young to really understand at the time yeah. the, the full ins and outs. Yeah, imagine the papers. <laughs> imagine Spygate today. That would be... Oh. What would the equivalent, I guess, if we're McLaren, Ferrari, the top two teams? So it would be Red Bull. So if McLaren would have won the Constructors, we're talking about... I mean, obviously it was closer, but we're talking about Red Bull um, taking intellectual property from Aston Martin or Mercedes or Ferrari and then getting dumped out. They couldn't... Not allowed to win the championship. Constructors. Could still win drivers. Looks like they're going to win drivers. But then Blumen Fernando Alonso wins four races on the trot and they DNF in all of them. Like, it'd be mad. Spygate makes the cost cap scandal seem pathetic. Yeah. It really, really does. Hey, and then, you know, in the later tiers, there's more gates. So, from from buckle up. But what do we have next? We have the 2008 Belgian Grand Prix. So this controversy begins with Lewis Hamilton and Kimi Räikkönen's on-track battle at the said 2008 Belgian Grand Prix. Räikkönen was leading the race with Hamilton closing in on his rival. At the bus stop chicane, Hamilton attempted to make an overtake, but the lunge meant that he ran wide, cutting the corner and rejoining the track ahead of Räikkönen. Whilst he slowed to let Räikkönen back through, Hamilton almost immediately overtook him once again. They continued to battle until Räikkönen collided with the barrier, failing to finish the race. Hamilton crossed the line in first place, believing himself to have acted in the correct manner, but the stewards did not agree, handing him a 25-second penalty, therefore demoting him to P3 and promoting Ferrari driver Felipe Massa to victory. 
Whilst McLaren tried to appeal this decision, it was rejected by the FIA International Court of Appeal on the ground that a 25-second time penalty cannot be challenged. Which... I won't get started on that. This penalty received mixed criticism, with some drivers believing it to be fair, especially considering the speed advantage that taking the route gave him. Others, though, such as Formula One legend Nicky Lauda, believe that the penalty was, quote, the completely wrong decision. He even suggested the formation of permanent race stewards to achieve consistency, a debate that still occurs to this day. Following the incident, the FIA did clarify that drivers must wait one further corner after cutting a chicane before attempting another overtaking manoeuvre. <sighs> uh, yeah. <laughs> you couldn't see Chloe's face then, but I agree with her. <laughs> oh my. I just, the worst part of that is the, the Court of Appeal saying that, no, you can't appeal the decision. Not because, like, oh, the stewards were right, or according to the rules, like, you, you shouldn't have overtaken then. It was, oh, no, you just, you can't rescind. 25-second penalty. Sorry about it. Like, that's... That's rubbish. Oh, load of rubbish. I'm going to take this time to, let's, I mean, what con- this controversy iceberg, right, was made... Uh, it made it was made after the 2021 season so it doesn't include any controversies from 2022 so i mean we've got a few minutes until our, our zoom recording cuts out and we'll go on to the next one so i thought let's just take this moment to think which controversies are missing that would probably be in there was the if the iceberg was made now a probably the cost cap. yeah well yeah almost certainly the cost cap which, you know, not only is it controversial that, controversial that Red Bull broke it, but also the punishment that they got. Mm-hmm. Which we're still waiting to see if it actually had a negative effect on them now. After looking at the tiers of the iceberg, what tiers do you think the cost cap would fit into? Honestly, I think it would probably be one, just because it's so well-known right yeah, now. Yeah, so, yeah like every, everyone knows about it. it it's um i i think had they got a harsher punishment it could maybe go level two or three yeah but i think because it hasn't had at least for now maybe we'll see it later in the season or next year because it hasn't seemed to have a massive effect on them as well um yeah i'd say maybe tier one or tier two um, is there any other controversies that have happened that we think would be stuck in the iceberg? I'm trying to cast my mind back to last season. I'm surprised that um, Lewis in Brazil 2021, the penalty for the little tiny gap in the rear wing. Yeah. The slam dunk on that. Slightly, I feel like that could have made an appearance, but it didn't. But I guess it's you, you can't put every single little thing on. It's like Japan last year with the tractor, not the tractor, the but the big heavy machinery getting Carlos's car in the pouring rain while cars are still going around the track. <laughs> I think that that was controversial. Whether it would make it onto the list, I don't know. But that's definitely controversial but i think the cost cap that's the main the main thing that came out of last season yeah definitely definitely 
can't yeah. even and I mean it's just like little things like team orders team Brazil, orders yeah I mean that's not even that's not in a controversy to be fair that was just drama drama Sergio Perez at Monaco Diddy or Ginty crash on purpose maybe I'm naive and ignorant but I I don't think that was a deliberate I, w- I, I want to believe in him <laughs> Who knows? Uh, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I, but it wouldn't surprise me if we see Max crashing at Monaco this year, <laughs> based on the obvious grudge that he holds. I, I mean, that Monaco weekend for Checo, I just pretend never happened. That never happened in Checo's life. All of the events oh, around. No, no, it did. It did. He won it. He won it. Mhm. You also didn't have to become an adulterer. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> so, I'm in 2022 Monaco after party. I feel like there's a lot that could be. <laughs> that's a whole, that's an not iceberg to, on Not its to own. feed into the drama pages. And believe me, I do not follow the drama pages, but sometimes this stuff makes its way onto Twitter. <laughs> it's, um, it's pretty wild. Anyway... <laughs> A day to keep it in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on Twitter afterwards. <laughs> It'd be funny if right. you didn't keep it in, but kept <laughs> the last few sentences in, but just to leave everyone in suspense <laughs> of what they've missed out on. What, what, what was did happening. I, what did I do during the break? Oh my gosh. You'll never know. <laughs> never know. <laughs> so that'll be on the rookies controversy. Um, (laughs) right next controversy the silverstone 1998 finish um you'll know about this one you won't know about it from the race like the title but you know it the 1998 british grand prix was wet and as per usual in soggy races, there was a number of cars that spun out and therefore there were also safety cars. By lap 52 of this race, after a safety car stint, Michael Schumacher found himself leading the race. However, under the safety car, Schumacher had passed Alexander Verz illegally, with the stewards handing him a 10 second penalty two laps from the end of the race. Unsure of whether this penalty was to be issued post-race or was a stop and go, Ferrari called Schumacher into the pits on the last lap. The thing is, though, in getting to the Ferrari pit box through the pit lane, Schumacher passed the finish line, meaning that he won the race. There was much dispute after this race with confusion arising over whether Schumacher had actually served his penalty. Uh, It turned out the stewards had really just ballsed it all up. The FIA International Court of Appeal clarified that the penalty was to be added on after the race with the stewards then deciding to apply the 10-second penalty post-race. This was rescinded, however, as added time penalties can only punish actions done within the last 12 laps of a Grand Prix. McLaren lodged a protest, believing that Ferrari cheated in not having Schumacher serve the penalty, but the FIA rejected this, essentially stating that it was the stewards that, like I said, balls it all up. Due to this, the stewards involved in the delivering of the penalty actually handed in their licences. Oh God! We love, we love some accountability. <coughs> Michael Massey. But I mean, Abu Dhabi stewards could never. 
as I said, I think you probably knew about that one already. Mm. I think I think a lot of people do, but I think they know about how there was a penalty that didn't, you know, he crossed the line, or but maybe not in more detail. But yeah, that's just one of those ones where it's like it's a it's a shame for McLaren because really Michael Schumacher should have had that penalty put on. Like he got a penalty that he never served. I would be so but, mad if I was McLaren. Yeah, it's just a just a huge mess, and Ferrari benefited from it, whether they meant to or not. They they did. Um, so yeah, again, I sometimes I listen to these and I'm like, God, imagine Twitter. Like, imagine Max Verstappen. Like, Fernando Alonso is within ten seconds of him. Max Verstappen has a ten second time penalty comes across the, the line in the pit lane and then they're like oh actually we can't apply the penalty like oh, they'll be booming calls that was cheating and blah, 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 blah. when really it's just a big mess but uh and if you think these controversies are bad just honestly i'm telling you just wait so uh i'm gonna uh, this is either uji day or uj uge day i'm gonna go with e day because that feels right um, but I will apologise if it's wrong. So, Yuji Ide was a Formula 1 driver and he was uh, a bit uh, rubbish, quite frankly. He was signed for Super Aguri for the 2006 season, becoming one of F1's oldest rookies at the age of 31. Ide raced in only four races in his Formula 1 career and managed, only managed to finish one with his best qualifying attempt being at the Bahrain GP, where he qualified in P21. Uh, this was out of 22 drivers, and Kimi Raikkonen in P22 didn't actually complete a qualifying attempt due to an accident. So he was kind of P21 by default. Uh, in his unknowingly final race, the 2006 San Marino Grand Prix, Ide caused the first lap crash with Christian Albers, which caused Albers to roll several times and land upside down. Following the crash, it was announced by Super Aguri that Ide had been dropped by the team due to advice by the FIA that he needed more experience. Uh, the FIA continued to, I mean, understandably, kick the man while he was down and revoked his super license. And Ide never returned to race in Formula One after that. That is kind of hysterical. Like, imagine being, brutal. Imagine being so bad that they're like, you know what? your license we're taking it just like give it just just give it back (laughs) just give it back yeah um it's just you know it's just not meant for some people this far that is brutal that is Mm. god he must have been he must have been bad he must have been pretty bad (laughs) he finished a single race (laughs) a one race (laughs) And his best qualifying was P21. And that was just because Kimi Raikkonen had crashed. <laughs> I wish I wish they'd do that more often. Revoke licenses. Just take away, just take away people's super license. Just go, actually. Actually, you're not very good. Sorry. <laughs> we don't want you back. They should do that to Nikki and Mazepin. Just like, just to be funny. Yeah. Just like, oh, you're getting angry at every country in the world <laughs> for rightfully sanctioning you because your dad's best buddies were Putin. 
<laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna make it even worse for you and take all your super items. I wish they did. Dude, dude really thinks he can get back into a form. It really angers me, genuinely. And then he, and then he's like, oh, you know, politics shouldn't come into racing. I'm a racer. Blah blah blah. There is a line, okay. It's li- literally if racers race under a flag, the national anthem is played of their country when they win. Like it. Ultimately, if you race for a country, it's inherently political. Right, and and here's the deal as well. Like, fair enough, he's Russian. Fair enough, if he... He's not Russian on the track, though, is he? Like, fair enough, they take away his flag. He's not Russian on the track. (laughs) Did you only just get (laughs) Russian into the variable, like... Fair enough, they take away his flag and his his anthem and completely dissociate he dissociates from his country and let's let's pretend that he didn't bring in millions in sponsorship and paint his car in his country's colors none of that happened end of the day his position with his dad being so high up in russia being so incredibly close to putin i don't care you can you can yeah. say you're not Russian. You can pretend that you're you know you're not racing with the Russian anthem or whatever. Bottom line, you're still ridiculously close to a war criminal, yeah. and that is not acceptable. And, and you're just not very good. And only only a desperate team would take him. And you know what? Has isn't even desperate anymore. So. No. Yeah. has really made the most of the situation and I have to commend them for it. Yeah, they just took that money and dipped. <laughs> we'll take your Russian dirty money and we'll kick you out and <laughs> tough luck and you can't sanction us for it. <laughs> Adios, amigo. <laughs> right, last couple of entries and these, I don't have many notes on these actually. So the first one is a blown diffuser and this was an advantage, a technical advantage that Red Bull had in the early 2000s and the other one is the F-duct which was introduced by McLaren in 2010 and then banned for 2011. Um, I'm not smart enough to understand either of them, not gonna lie, um, but basically there were significant innovations that were then banned on cost and or safety grounds. Um, feel free to look them up if you want to understand them better, that is the blown diffuser on red on the Red Bull car and the F-duct on the McLaren car. And that brings us to the end of tier two of the F1 controversy iceberg. Has been a bit of a shorter one compared to tier one, but tier three, it gets, it gets bigger again. I mean, again, you so. add our tier one discussion and our tier two discussion, they even each other out. <laughs> yeah, That was fun though. But yeah, tier three is a big one. It is fun, isn't it? It's an, it's exciting learning all of these. Someone's got to make things. the sport exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and we get to do it all again next week with Tier 3. If you're bored with the state of the sport, fear not. We all remind you of the good times. <laughs> yeah, of the good times. <laughs> Which, what's been your favourite controversy so far? Um, I forgot. I forgot the name of the team, but the 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 oh, worst team. Andrea Moda. Yeah, that's hysterical. Yeah. I love that's that. So good. 
<laughs> like, oh, the FIA are telling us to not bully this guy anymore. Let's just, um, let's just try and break his car on purpose. <laughs> That's hysterical. That's so funny. It's the fact that then the guy, the guy in charge was then just, like, arrested at Spa for forging invoices, like. Oh, perfect. Uh, if that's your favourite, I, I can think of um. I can think of a couple of controversies coming up that I really do think you're going to like, this, Chloe. This is a... I mean, I don't know if this is covered on the iceberg. Are we going to talk about Force India at all? Um, and the dealings that went on there? I don't... I don't think so. But I'm just trying to find the one so I can give you the uh, title. Um, so one of the things we're covering in tier three is uh, T minus arrows. Um, and um, it's about a sponsorship, a sketchy big sponsor. And I think you're going to love it. I think I, I really am going to love it. Um, but yeah, that's a little a little taste of of tier three i'll give you the 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 first controversy on tier three is the 2011 borrowing gp so that's a little get ready for that one get excited for it because it's coming next week because there's no race on next week and even if there was a race on next week it'd probably be boring I mean, maybe it wouldn't be. Who knows? It could be like the most exciting race in the world, but it ain't happening, is it? I feel quite bad. I really, I really, uh, I'm going through a rough patch with this sport at the minute, and I'm, t- <laughs> I'm, I'm talking it down a lot. I think I'm only being fair. Yeah, You're only being honest. We love honesty. Honesty is and the, thing the best is, policy. No matter how much we criticise the sport, we're going to watch it anyway. <laughs> That's the thing. And also, like, at least you know we'll be... Well, we're being real with you who is listening. Yeah. We're not being paid to big up the sport. We're not going to pretend yeah, we're not, it's incredible. We're not going to pretend in, in some hope that F1's going to come to us. And um, I mean, it would be great if F1 came to us and we're like, oh my God, you got replace... David Croft and Martin Brundle, you guys are incredible. <laughs> the next great voices of the sport. Imagine if they randomly did that, though. Like, we'd be in so much danger on Twitter. The amount of hatred that we'd get. We'd need security posted outside our doors. <laughs> It'd be, oh, it'd be terrible. <laughs> even even if uh, hypothetically they were like, "Hey guys, do you want the gig?" I'd be like, "No, thank you." Hey, that would go on the controversy, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I think with that we shall wrap it all up for today. And that's it for this episode of the rookies. What are we talking about next week? As I said, tier three of the controversy iceberg. I'm excited because we really are getting spicy. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, then make sure to follow us on our Twitter at the Rookies F1. Um, and make sure to tune in next week. 
and um we, you know what? I'm gonna say we're normally if you haven't, normally if you if you haven't listened to the podcast before, we end it with "Have a simply lovely day," and we have since the very start of this podcast. But we feel right. Nothing against Max, but like, not to be superstitious or anything, but we can't be sending that energy over to him. <laughs> He's doing too well without us boosting his driving by by stating his catchphrase every week. Um, that makes no sense. But we we we're getting desperate now. Yeah. I don't know how how do we how do we end it? A neutral ending. How do we even do a neutral ending? And have a day. And have a day. <laughs> I have a day. Good or bad. <laughs> Make sure to tune in next week. And, <laughs> and have, have a, a day. day. <laughs> All night, whatever. Um, just live. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> just live. <laughs> Parasocial relationships. Let's get them going. <laughs> right, let's just... Yeah, have, have, a, have a day. Have a day. <laughs> right. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>